Chapter 1 Working Class A series of swift and unexpected ends to familiar pursuits set the stage for new, unimaginable life events. Oliver James Bailey. All three of his names belong to the man who raised him. But Oliver is not his father. He's determined to make that clear. He lays on a squeaky twin bed in the upstairs room of his parents' house, committed to getting every minute of rest possible, taking two to three minute shifts between opening his eyes to look at the clock on his side table. His parents work hard, and they taught him to do the same. So while clouds careen by a crescent moon that is still high in the sky, he rolls out of bed and gets ready for work. It's 2 a.m., and he has to be out by 2.20 to get to the shipping company in time for his shift. He's out the door at 2.40. He throws his backpack onto the passenger seat of the little red hatchback his dad gave him to drive to school and heads to meet his friend Jonathan. He's the one who told Oliver about the job. Yo, let me tell you about this job. They say you can make $17 an hour as a line manager. From their positions, this idea seems like a fantasy, but it's enough to keep the boys loading boxes onto a conveyor belt in the middle of the night. On a normal day, they'd be done by 7 a.m., but today's shift ends around 8.30. Additional holiday orders means more work for everyone. Everything else flows as usual. Yo, papi, let me get a bacon, egg, and cheese on the hero. The bodega next to Jonathan's house never disappoints. All right, so check it. My uncle joined this company where you get paid to sell toilet paper and other normal stuff to people. It's stuff everyone uses anyway, so it's super easy. They pay you to bring other people on, I mean, I think we should just do it. He just started, but all the dudes above him are super rich. The daily conversations are pretty much all the same. Making money in ways that never work and are never worth it. And sports. Man, I don't know why we even bother watching the Knicks at this point. They're so trash. Another day of talking while nothing changes. By 11 a.m., Oliver heads to his second job as a pizza delivery boy in his parents' neighborhood. Folding pizza boxes, restocking soda, cleaning tables, and occasionally delivering pizza from 11 to 3. Around 2 p.m., the owner, Tony, comes in to check on things. Hey, you wetbacks working hard in here? A few more offensive jokes with the kitchen staff, and he's out by 2.30 to meet his daughter, for afternoon tennis. Why can't I be Tony? From Oliver's point of view, the boss only shows up to collect money while he and his other immigrant coworkers sacrifice time and effort for $5 every hour. Oh, and some delivery tips as well. The money was enough to earn him 
a pair of Jordan Retro 4s that he wears religiously, but not enough to rid him of the embarrassment of driving a 20-year-old beater while most of his friends are upgrading their cars. Oliver, guess what? I shorted that carbon fiber hood I was talking about. Got some new headers. Looking good. Rick, the delivery guy who comes in after Oliver, drives an Acura Integra Coupe. It's lowered on a fresh set of Type R wheels, exactly the kind of car that Oliver would want but can't afford. They work the same job, but Rick's parents are different and he's willing to make additional money in ways that are antithetical to Oliver's upbringing. Yo, but hey, uh, you coming to the meetup later tonight, right? Every Thursday evening, Oliver and his friends head to a street racing hangout in the parking lot of the Nathan's Hot Dog Spot on Central Avenue. So, following an afternoon of idleness and rest, Oliver and Jonathan meet to head there. Supercharged Mini Coopers Honda Civics with H22 Prelude motors, donuts, and burnouts are all on display until the police come to break things up. From there, it's racing on the two-lane Bronx River Parkway and then hanging out with friends outside Jonathan's place. Hyped from all the action earlier in the evening, Oliver and his friends decide to pack themselves into Oliver's car and take turns seeing who can push its tiny engine the furthest. Idle time and a little old hatchback filled with excited teenage energy lead to the inevitable. Smash right into a tree. The boys quickly scatter before anyone shows up, leaving Oliver to deal with the mess. Jonathan decides to come back and help get the bumper back on the car and see if it will still drive. Yo, I need to fix this or my dad's gonna kill me. Oliver's thoughts are swarming in his head. Yeah, how are we gonna get to work? His parents' expectations and work. That's what he was taught to prioritize, and he wasn't doing a good job prioritizing either. Getting the car to a point where Oliver could drive home took a few hours, long enough to jeopardize any chance of them being ready for work later that night. Hi, um, so the bumper fell off my car and I won't be able to come to work. This wasn't the first time Oliver and Jonathan called out, and their supervisor was obviously annoyed by the call. A lame excuse like the bumper falling off didn't help their case. They skip work that night, and following another day of life as usual, Oliver wakes up to the moon, meets Jonathan, and heads back to work. When they arrive at the job, their supervisor pulls them to the side to have a word with them. Are you guys serious about this job? He asks them both if they want to keep working. Jonathan musters up the courage to say the shift doesn't work for him and he'd rather quit. Oliver sheepishly states that he's serious about working and would like to keep his job. His supervisor takes a moment and walks into his office. He comes back out and tells Oliver he's fired. His indiscipline eventually cost him his job at the pizza shop as well. When the transmission in the hatchback goes bad, his fall to the bottom is complete. No job, no car, and no plans for change in the future. <laughs>